0: Julie Keys.
1: Welcome everybody to the Poised for Exit Exit Planning Podcast Show. Today's guest is the founder and owner of a professional mediation and negotiation firm who's also a professional instructor, author, and speaker. He's going to be talking with us today about what the IRS's plans are for business valuation as it relates to the slew of new agents they've just hired. We're going to be hearing from him shortly, but first Let's hear from our show sponsors.
0: Right now, there's a record number of buyers looking for businesses, and many businesses are selling at a premium. To get a free, confidential business valuation so you'll know what your business might be worth, contact a broker at Sunbelt Business Advisors at 612-455-0880. We're Minnesota's largest seller of companies. Let us help you maximize your life's work. Call 612-455-0880 or visit sunbeltmidwest.com. What we see with many businesses is that they've never gotten marketing to work consistently and the marketing they do doesn't meaningfully impact their bottom line. Data approaches it differently by partnering with clients for long-term, sustainable marketing solutions. They start with a consultative, crawl-walk-run approach that helps you scale your marketing efforts naturally. Data provides marketing for the long term success of your business to tell your story in a compelling way and to make sure the value you bring is apparent to everyone. Go to data.com for more information. That's D-A-Y-T-A dot com. TrustPoint will design and manage a 401k plan that fits your company's needs. They handle everything from record keeping and investments to employee education and ongoing administration. And they take on the highest level of fiduciary responsibility to ensure your 401k plan is compliant. You already have plenty to keep you up at night. Your 401k plan should not be one of them. Visit TrustPointInc.com for more details. For business owners, it can be overwhelming to start planning a transition or exit strategy, but it's so important to avoid unwanted outcomes and unexpected tax bills. The CPAs at J.A.K., John A. Knudsen & Company., can guide you, and help make sense of the numbers. Our firm was established over 90 years ago, and we've assisted countless companies with ownership transitions. Leaving your business is a process that takes time. So contact us today to discuss your situation. Visit our website at jkcpa.com. That's jkcpa.com.
1: Hello, everyone. We're here today with Michael Gregory. Mike owns a consulting firm. He's a speaker, author, national speaker, actually, Um, lots of credentials behind his name, and I'm super excited to have him back on the Poised for Exit show. We have a majorly hot topic, don't we, Mike?
2: Yes, we do, and I appreciate you. you letting me be with you again. It's a pleasure.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I'm Majorly, not sure that that's a word. I just pulled it out of my head because I thought, well, this is a big thing. This is a really big thing. Before we get into the topic, though, I'd like to just revisit your background for our listening audience, because I know that you have you have an an extensive background um, as a you know business valuation analyst, as an engineer, as a speaker, as an author. Um, you do a lot of instructing for continuing education, and you consult. So let's just talk about how did you get here with all of that background.
2: Well, I had a couple of engineering degrees, and I was an engineer, and I went back and got an MBA in finance and accounting, and I said I really like that, and I got involved with analyzing research and development in companies and doing business valuation work. I did that for a few years. I was an expert witness. I did very well at that. And then I became the manager of the unit. We grew the unit from nine to 21 experts over the course of three years. We were set up in three different uh, cities around the country. And I managed that group with up to, again, 21 experts, 10 cases docketed at any one given time, a lot of experience. And from there, I ended up being uh, tapped to be in, in a research unit. So I had PhD statisticians and economists, and I worked in that unit for four years. And then I became a, a controller, I became an executive, was involved with the reorganization of a $10.5 billion entity, um, came to the Treasury Department and worked in the area of business valuation and headed up business valuation nationally for the IRS. I was involved with Department of Justice, Tax Litigation Division, the IRS uh, exam, appeals, and counsel arenas, deciding which cases to go to court, how we would proceed, who the experts are, all those kind of things. Retired in 2011, opened up my own firm about two months later, and now here I am 12 years later, and what do I have? I've got 12 books, uh, over 45 articles, I give about 60 presentations a year, I do two to four mediations or negotiations around the country every month, and as my wife will tell you, I no longer work, I just have fun. that's what I do.
1: (laughs) I love that. Having fun and the IRS don't really seem to mix with each other. However, since you're not on the inside anymore and you're on the outside and instructing people like us, let's talk about this new expansion of that department, right? There's um, billions of dollars that are being spent to expand. They're hiring another 87,000 additional employees that you know, one of one of the things that they're planning to go after is business valuation. So tell us, what does their strategic plan actually look like?
2: Well, the the IRS has a, a, a very dynamic strategic plan, and that plan right now is 2022 through 2026. And with that, there's a year of planning and then formulation and budget execution. And I worked with the CFO on the reorganization of the IRS in 2000 with five other people. We reorganized the entire IRS From a national office and five regions and 31 districts to 13 major business divisions, and how to do that. And I I landed uh, in this area related to business valuations in the IRS. And I had a geographic footprint of 14 to 17 states, but I focused on valuation nationally for the service. Mm. But the IRS strategic plan is something that each year is reevaluated and tasks are agreed to and divvied up at the executive and mid management level. With applications at the frontline level, with quarterly deliverables, and then it changes as the year goes on. So it's a dynamic process, it's a continual improvement process. And it focuses, as I'm going to talk here, it's on the four major exam divisions I'm focusing on, which are large business and international, more than 10 million in assets, small business self-employed, SBSE, which is 10 million and less, but that's where all the estate and gift tax returns are also filed. There's wage and investment, that's 1040s and simple returns, no work in there for valuation. And then tax-exempt and governmental entities, there's work there uh, related to valuation as well. So in the strategic plan, those are the major areas, and they they focus on areas related to four primary uh, elements, and I'm just focusing on enforcement here, and I'm focusing on those divisions. But what I wanted to do is take this and say, let's just look at one particular program. And that one particular program is the IRS Engineering and Valuation Program. Mm. And when I was at the service, we had about 450 employees. Today, it's about our starting that this fiscal year it was about 250. And of those 250 people, about 80 are relatively new. So 80 new, 170 experienced. What the service has done is they initially got the Inflation Reduction Act said, you're going to get this 87 uh, 80 billion dollars and 87,000 new employees all over the next 10 years. So you got to keep it in mind; it's a 10-year plan. Sure. And then uh, we're all aware that along came the Deficit Reduction Act. Remember that in June, we thought the government was going to run out of money. And what's going to happen? Well, there was a, a, a change that was made relative to the IRS and the implications of that change to the IRS. And with the applications to those changes, the numbers changed drastically. And the uh, Speaker of the House made national news by saying the IRS were taking $20 billion away from the IRS. And so for those who want to see the IRS cut, that sounded really good. But I'm going to run some numbers by you and bear with me. The IRS had a budget, this for FY 2023, which ended September 30th, of $13.2 billion. They were going to get $80 billion over 10 years. So you add $8 billion to that. So that means you're somewhere around $21.2 billion. The Speaker says... We took $20 billion away from the IRS, and they did. Sounds impressive. But they also made a side agreement with the administration and the Democrats to say, we're going to let you borrow $20 billion from the out years out here on the last three years of that $80 billion. So it was a wash. No money was taken away from the IRS. It was $20 billion taken away and $20 billion brought in as a loan within the government. But then they actually did take away $1.4 billion with the Deficit Reduction Act budget, for each of the next 10 years. So if you had a budget of 13.2 billion, you thought you were gonna end up with 8 billion more for 13.2, you actually have 19.8 billion. So put yourself in their shoes. If you were told you're getting 19.8 billion this year, and last year you had 13.2, are you pretty happy? Mm. You're like a pig in mud. You're like, this is great. So with that, that's the money the service really has. When you look at the engineering program, they then came back and said, we're going to double our size in FY 2023. We're going to go from 250 to 500. Well, what does that mean? It takes a good two years to learn this job, even if you're an experienced uh, person coming in from the outside. Mm-hmm. So I really preach. I spoke to the uh, the uh, American Society of Appraisers yesterday. Next month, I'm speaking to the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants on this. And the month after that, I'm speaking to the National Association of Certified Valuators and Analysts. And I'm going to tell them from one of my books called The Collaboration Effect. These people are new. They don't know their job. It takes two years to learn their job. So if you happen to be involved with an audit with the IRS, I want you to hold their hand. And don't just say, my numbers are in my report. And if they ask a question, tell them what page it's on. I want you to copy those pages. I want you to pull out the reference. If you took something out of a book, I want you to copy the book. And show them what you did with the book. If you took a database and you started off with a big database with a number of filters applied, you applied the first filter for whatever reason, and it got a little smaller and then a little smaller second filter and so on. And eventually you call these your comparable companies, for example, you want to show them that's what you did and the decisions that you made and why. And the taxpayer that takes the time to develop a connecting relationship with that person
1: mm-hmm. and
2: then listen to them and then educate them with what you've done, they're going to be very successful with the IRS. So my big caution is realize a lot of new people. And I I have over 70 contacts at the IRS. In fact, next week, I'll be meeting with the person who heads up that function of the engineering evaluation function in a a conference call for about an hour. And with my 70 contacts, they share things. And so one of my friends from D.C. shared that our attrition rate is about double what had been anticipated. So instead of losing 25 people in that group, they're going to lose a good 50 people. That means even less experience. So patience, understanding, and work with them. And that's an example of what's going to happen in the budget or did happen in the budget in FY 2023. And now in FY 2024, it's all new. So we'll see, there is no budget. You know, right now where we are, (laughs) everything's up in the air.
1: Well, okay. So, you know, I think that the common... Probably attitude about working with an IRS audit agent is one of maybe some resistance, digging in our heels, um, maybe only giving them as much as we have to, and so this is a complete one hundred and eighty behavior that you're that you're endorsing, right? But honestly, okay. as I think about it, and as you as you explain why it's important to do that, it makes total sense to me because. Um, know we want to make them our advocate right we don't want to make them our enemy because when we do that then we can end up with um i mean they have the power to to make life kind of miserable right so
2: well i'll share i'm going to share two quick stories in a a very concise manner okay i helped out a party that had a estate a gift and a redemption of stock and it's a multi-billion dollar entity family owned and the service said they owed 400 million, the adjustments, $400 million. And the attorneys wrote briefs and the briefs were just like you talked about. It's an attack. Mm-hmm. And the valuer who worked on this worked with me and said, Mike, let's downscale or what you can work with, Mike, he'll help you. And I said, we're going to take that brief you're writing and we're going to make it neutral. And the long and short of this is nine months later and three iterations and a bunch of things of a $400, 000, $400 million adjustment at a 40% rate, which is 160 million in tax, They got an agreement for $400,000 in tax. Mm. So that de escalation, that worked. But then I'm gonna tell you about a little company, $50 million. And the attorney working for the company contacted me from a referral by another attorney. It's a construction company with about 200 employees. And I said, and I held their hand through the whole thing. The bottom line on this is halfway through the audit, things are going so well with this process I'm talking about that we wrote an email to this agent about what a good job she was doing, because in one of my books, Business Valuations in the IRS, I have all the job elements and aspects of an IRS agent. We were catching her on things doing right. We also had caught things she wasn't doing right, but we these are things she's doing right. And we wrote this up on what she's doing right. At the end of the audit, they normally, on a one-year audit, they always pick up a second year because you've learned from the first, you can just apply the same thing on the second. And she wrote to her boss and said, this taxpayer has been so cooperative I'm recommending we don't open up the second year to her boss. And they did not do it. Now, I learned this now after the fact. The attorney told me after the fact, Mike, a a big four firm said, when you get done here, you probably owe about $4 million across this audit cycle. But we think we can get it down to two. And for doing this, we're going to charge you $500,000. That's what they said. Okay. The attorney decided not to do that, and they hired me. I cost them in the course of about a year and a half, about $20,000, okay, by Mm. comparison. You saved a little bit of money. And they paid about $400,000 in tax,
1: Mm.
2: not 2 million. We actually pointed out some mistakes on the return that they brought to my attention. Two of the owners had been taking out about $200,000 a year personally, okay, through Mm. a credit card. And we brought that to their attention. And the agent said, they looked at it and they could have adjusted that 200,000, but they just adjusted it 10% about 20,000, because we were up front and told them. And then the agent said, what I want you to do is clean that up in the future. And if we come out and audit it again, and it's still there, we'll apply penalties. But I'm just, I'm taking out the very big blunders that shouldn't have been in there. Daughter's wedding, kids' education, stuff that shouldn't have been there for sure.
1: Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah, I but know.
2: But the, the, the whole point of that was, he was amazed by the time we got done, not 2 million in tax, $400,000 in tax, and didn't audit the second year And it cost twenty grand versus five hundred thousand. So they were ready to come in and fight for the taxpayer, and I was ready to say, "We're going to work with this person, and we're going to we're going to learn all we can about this agent before it starts. Go on LinkedIn and Google and Facebook, learn everything. We're going to find ways to connect." He he had been uh, he's a recent at the time a recent father, nine month old. She had a nine month old. He had a cabin. She had a cabin. So. We, we worked on the relationship building from the very beginning. And I'm gonna make, I'm gonna make up her name. Her name was I'll say Jessica Smith. And mm-hmm. when she first came in to show you how much she was, I'll say hardwired, you can call me Agent Smith. Okay. So that's not normal. That's that's pretty hardwired. And she went from Agent Smith to Jessica Smith to Jessica to Jess by the time the audit was done. So <laughs> building the relationship, I can't even listening actively most people don't listen actively that means let them talk for 10 minutes and paraphrase ask open-ended questions empathize and um, uh, paraphrase summarize empathize with that other person but you don't want to offer advice and you want to focus yourself on what are other questions i could be asking rather than how am i going to respond to that Mm -hmm. and if you do that when a person's been listened to i've been working with neuroscientists for four years A person's been listened to, they're more apt to listen to you. So listen for 10 minutes, seal it, and then you can begin to educate them. But you'll have learned so much that from the relationship building and the education, I mean, and and listening, relationship and listening, you'll be able to educate them. Now, I'm a fast speaker. On the other hand, when I go into a mediation or I go into a negotiation, I use mindfulness and prayer and reflection to slow myself down. And to put myself in a mindset that I am here to help. And if somebody's doing something and it antagonizes me, I have to catch myself on being antagonized and getting angry and say, Mike, I got to come back and let's focus and be cool. If I can focus and be cool, we can de-escalate and work through the process.
1: Well, I think that when people can be coming from a calm state of mind versus an irritated state of mind, that's always uh, you know to an advantage for all of us, right? I know that that works for me with the work that I do with business owners, too, because, you know, sometimes they just are dealing with so many things and 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 then that t- sometimes that is brought home. Sometimes it's brought into meetings. And so, like, you're right, just just to let them vent, let them talk about it and then ask some clarifying questions about, OK, what are we going to do about this now? As we're talking about business valuation. Um, how is this new funding uh, going to affect business valuations because that's kind of how we started the the session off here today we got a couple more questions but let's talk about that
2: there are going to be more there's going to be more work in several areas in estate and gift there'll be more work there because they now have the people to do it there'll be more work in mergers and acquisitions there'll be more work in allocations of purchase price uh that, that means all the things from tangibles and intangibles and goodwill and those kind of things so the service is gearing up to do more work in that area and the returns are going to focus on in the next two to three years are going to be the smaller returns those are the learning returns versus a major corporation just picture a fortune 100 company they might have 10 to 15 acquisitions a year for example the service might audit three or five of those okay in the course of an audit but On smaller entities, they normally have a very limited number of those that are audited, but right right now they need what are called training cases. So training cases mean you've got a valuation between, I'll say, roughly 5 million and maybe 50 to 100 million. They're going to need more of those kinds of cases. So they're going to be more involved with small, I'll say smaller owners compared to billion-dollar companies, Mm -hmm. and they're going to have people who have less experience, and they're going to come out and they want to act like they know what they're doing. They don't want to look stupid. But right. they aren't going to really know what they're doing. And I, I'm I'm cautious with some of them are going to come in and think the IRS is an enforcement arm. My job is to bring money to the treasury. And that's not true. And they have to be educated that I'm going to just read it. the mission statement for the IRS today is provide America's taxpayers top quality service by helping them understand and meet their tax responsibilities and enforce the tax law with integrity and fairness to all. There's a new commissioner. His name is Danny Weifel. And I think he really buys into that. He was an acting commissioner before. I think he buys into it. But the previous commissioner told the IRS employees to be aggressive relative to penalties. So if all this wasn't going in on the House right now with uh, elements uh, associated with everything in the news, one of the things they had on their radar was investigating the IRS about an overassessment of penalties and an aggressiveness on penalties. But that's kind of a, a lower level issue right now compared to the other things going on in the house, and uh, in Washington D.C. But that's one of the things they had on their radar was to investigate the IRS on an overreaction uh, that had taken place. Now, most employees, nearly all employees at the IRS, would follow that statement. But there are some that have been caught up in that statement. With my job is to go out and be aggressive, mm-hmm. and that's not what the IRS mission is. But those folks need to be brought back in. But trying to change the IRS. Is like driving an aircraft carrier right so if you want to turn that around it takes a long time versus a 16-foot dinghy, i can turn around very quickly so it's going to take a while for this danny weifel new commissioner to have the impact across the whole irs on integrity and if someone's abusing their authority in the irs i had that happen with employees and we address that like right now but i've seen that happen in other cases and it's not been as big of an issue to address with some people so I'm your best advocate when you run into somebody like that, because we'll take them on with what the rules and regulations and processes are with the IRS. But Mm -hmm. we'll stay focused on you want to operate with compassion. That means calm, confident, and competent. If you were hurt and went to the emergency room with a broken leg, you don't want the nurse or doctor going, oh, Mike, that's terrible. You broke your leg. You want somebody (laughs) who's calm, confident, and competent. And that's what you want with dealing with the IRS too.
1: Well, and we want advisors to be calm, confident, and competent as well, right? Our business nice. owner clients are, are requiring that of us. And so when we have someone going to bat for us, whether it's an appraiser or an attorney or our CPA, um, what are some of the ways that these advisors should be thinking about changing their game, like changing their approach with how to work with the IRS?
2: Well, first of all, everyone has to decide how aggressive or non-aggressive, they want to be with the filing of their tax
1: return. Well, I mean, okay. So let's just say, uh, we're talking business valuation only. We don't have okay. a whole lot of time left here. So, yep. um, we're anticipating, as you know, with regard to the boomers that still need to exit from their business, um, more sales over the next few years. And so it, it, and and let's just face it. Most of them are main street or lower middle market businesses. And so um, if, if, if what you've said is actually going to transpire, then it's going to collide with a lot of these businesses that are going to try to sell. And so it's, it's, it would be who the advisors who are working with businesses of this size and, and on that kind of timeline to actually anticipate how best to operate. So maybe you could give us, you know, two or three, um, a tips or advice like, and for the business owner. So let's start with Tips for advisors looking ahead with what we anticipate happening with the IRS and audits and valuation, and then tips for business owners.
2: Okay, I'm going to actually flip it. I'm going to go with the business owner first. All right. You're going to need a team, and the team could be as small as an estate tax attorney, another attorney for exit planning, uh, licensed insurance underwriter, insurance person, uh, CPA. You're going to need a business broker. I would actually say a business appraiser is better because the business appraiser is going to be able to help you with elements related to the IRS to have Mm -hmm. what's called a qualified appraisal by a qualified appraiser. So for business valuation, that's the ASA or the NACVA or the AICPA. With real property, you want to get a qualified real property appraiser. So an MAI with the Appraisal Institute, for example. So you want to get the right team assembled for you as the business seller. And then for the person who's doing your work, you want someone who is qualified and understands the standards and they're going to be there to apply the standards. You may want a high value. You may want a low value, depending on what you're doing. You don't want the appraiser that can help you get a high value or a low value. You want the appraiser that's going to be independent and in and do their work. And that's the appraiser who's going to be accepted by the IRS. Or if you're audited, you'll come out well. And, and in terms of the IRS on an audit, of these kinds of things, about 20% are no changes. About 20% are actual refunds. You actually get money back from the IRS. All right. But about 60% are you owe additional tax. And those that own additional tax, it's usually substantial amounts. So keep that in mind. of in, in your in That statute's out there for three years. So if you want to sleep good at night for the next three years, hire that qualified appraisal appraiser to do a qualified appraisal for you in your, your work, and you can sleep good for three years. You won't have to worry about it after that. The statute's gone.
1: Well, like you were talking about before, normalize your financials. um, You know, just get your financial house in order and uh, work closely with your accounting firm so that the look-back period actually is appealing and there aren't a whole lot of rocks to overturn. And yeah, right? So keeping good records, like you said, sleeping at night, it's worth everything.
2: (laughs) And, And there's always a story. There's always a story. And the story that you have is the story you want to be able to tell and then have the documentation make sense with that story of whatever the story is. Valuation is a an art. It's also a science. Everybody thinks about the science, but they may not think about the story and the art that goes with it. So a good appraisal has not only the numbers, it has the story that goes with it that makes sense with those numbers.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that reminds me of um, when people still had PPP money. Uh, in their bank account. And, you know, some companies were going through the throes of due diligence and selling, and how important it was to separate that and then tell the story of why you applied for it, what you did it with it, and and all of that. So that, you know, there's no guesswork. And um, yeah, I agree. Very important. Just got to have, got to have something to illustrate why you did what you did.
2: So and that comment that you're making about that money, the, the, ERC, the ERC credit, there were a whole host of firms that popped up and said, you qualify and did it and got their 20% yes. and left. And now the employer is left with, oh, I really wasn't qualified in some cases. So you want to make sure, just as I'm talking about a qualified appraiser and a qualified appraisal with valuation, whoever you're going to bring on board, it can't be, you want to go to your accountant and your attorney and say, is this valid for me? And does this make sense? And I hope you didn't get caught up with the folks who were the fly-by-nighters that came in and said, I can get you $26,000 per employee and you qualify and I just have to file the forms and you get your money the service is coming after those now. Yep. I
1: know. I know. I've been reading about that. And there seem to be so many of them out there. So thanks for bringing that up. I appreciate that uh, tidbit of advice. So, okay, time for us to um, close out the show. But boy, what great content, great advice. I'm sure that people will probably have to listen to this episode more than once. Thank you so much, Mike, for being on the show and sharing your expertise. It's always a pleasure. Um, And anybody can
2: get a hold of me anytime. And the call is free. You can call me 651-633-5311. And my name is Michael Gregory, and I just simplified it, mg at mikegreg.com. And there's no charge on the call. You can call me and and I've got over 14,000 folks on my mailing list with my newsletter. So if you contact me, I can put you on my newsletter or you can contact me and I can probably refer you to someone else in areas I don't have the expertise. My goal is to try and help people do well with what they're doing and to bring conflict into a a peaceful relationship or peaceful resolution with the folks involved. So thank you for having me. And it's been my pleasure.
1: Thanks for joining us today, Mike. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Please join us again next time.